Hi, you're listening to the News Roundup, all things impacting global supply chains this week. Glad you could join us on Chain Reaction. Well, the coal spell has certainly driven up demand for energy in the UK and elsewhere. And so, no relief anytime soon to the cost of gas. Oil prices are down on what they were a month back, but still around 78 US dollars for Brent crude. Putin's getting $60 for his oil as a cap, but actually the price of Ural oil is down to about 53, 54 US dollars at the moment. So the war in Ukraine goes on. Disruption to global supply chains goes on. China won't be out of lockdown until the first quarter of 2023. That's what's hoped for anyway. And perhaps some normality will return to supply chains and of course to the business world and to economic life. So all that awaits us in 23. Now, here's an interesting claim. I saw a piece by Jason Miller which said that uh, there's no peak season. And that's because he looked at data released for October for wholesale trade sales figures in the US and claims that the estimate of trucking ton mile index for October clearly shows no peak season. The ton mile index is calculated as a weighted geometric mean of physical unit outputs for 41 freight generating industries identified by the Commodity Flow Survey. And the weights are based on each sector's contribution for the hire of trucking ton miles from Commodity Flow Survey thoughts. He said that normally they'd see activity in October increase about 1.4 index points, even with no trend. This October sees a decline of 0.15 index points, resulting in a seasonally adjusted decrease of 1.5%. On that basis, it's the lowest seasonally adjusted reading of 2022, and it's the smallest year-on-year gain we've seen in 2022 from 2021. So, no peak season according to that claim. And he says he expects to see the similar picture for November. So we'll wait to hear. He says also that payrolls are up 4.1% in November from the November 2021 figure, And it's easy to see why rates have fallen sharply from earlier this year. And he claims growth of supply has surpassed growth of demand. Now, as interesting as that is, and it is interesting, it doesn't square easily with the growth figures we've seen reported in the peak season from retail demand. Because they're claiming that it's significantly higher. So does that mean all the inventory was in the right place, in in warehouses, and it didn't need as much movement, and it's not about supply, it just means that the supply was available. Through overstocking, if you overstock and you've got the supply available, then you can meet demand. So you don't have to supply, it's available. Now the other thought is that perhaps demand in the peak season figures reported is simply compressed into short time frames, and so it's not a month that they're looking at, it might just be from Black Friday to Cyber Monday. And in those cases, that can peak when actually the overall picture for the month could be significantly lower. 
The manufacturing sector in the UK shrunk by about 4% in 2022, and it's forecast to decline by a further 3.2% in 2023. The drivers for this are increasing raw material cost, falling consumer demand, and higher borrowing cost, creating what many are calling a perfect storm. A Make UK report with BDO says that the manufacturing sector in the UK is likely to decline by 7% in 2023. So mixed opinions on the numbers, but the outcome, a reduced manufacturing sector. Which forecast do you believe? I'll leave that to you. Well, there's been a lot of tech layoffs this year, and if you go through the year, there were just 631 in January, 6,327 in Feb, 8,262 in March, 5,825 in April, and then in May it really zoomed up, 22,707, June 29,299, July 21,731, August 21,332, and September 10,718, October 23,167, and What about this? November 22, 59,710, 11,000 at Meta, 10,000 at Amazon, 8,150 at Twitter, and then you've got other big numbers at Carvana, DoorDash, Stripe, Kraken, Gen Digital, Salesforce, Redfin, and Lyft. So quite a lot, but some big company names throughout the year, and some of those firms have shed labour more than once in the year. So all not well with tech presently. Freight costs continue to soften as we move into 2023. So that's likely to continue. And especially if we believe that demand is going to lighten up as well, it looks like supply will be back on track. And so it's all about supply and demand as we know. And if The demand for shipping and containers falls back and for freight falls back generally. Then, of course, that means that supply can be met from existing capacity with room left over. And that seems to be the general opinion of people around the freight business at the moment. There could, of course, be a small spanner in the works if China reopens up. And there are signs that that's going to happen. And of course, trade between China and different parts of Asia is likely to increase during 2023 as flights resume and shipping resumes to pre-pandemic levels. Now, how fast that will be is the key, because of course, if it opens up slowly, it will have time to adjust. And so I don't necessarily expect freight prices to turn around and go higher. I think they will generally fall. All the ports in China, Shanghai, Ningbo, Nanjing, Qingdao, Tianjin, Dalian, Shenzhen, Xiamen and Fuzhou are all operating normally at present and they're not affected by COVID, probably the first time in a long time. And of course, as the Zero Tolerance Program has ended in China, there are no PCR tests required, so they're unlikely to close anytime soon. So there are a sign of returns to more normal trading patterns between China 
and the rest of the world. Now, I read a piece by Lars Jensen, who's a leading expert in container shipping, and he said that global reliability improved to 52% for the first time in two years, and the 28 out of 34 trade lanes, that's shipping lanes, that were measured show an improvement in reliability in October. Some more news from the shipping industry. The Maersk CEO, Soren Sko, is retiring, and the new CEO is Vincent Clark. Since 2016, Soren Sko has led the transformation of AP Moller Maersk from a diversified conglomerate to an integrated logistics company, and it set the business on a growth trajectory. Vincent Clark is currently CEO of the company's ocean and logistics business, and he takes over on the 1st of January 2023. So, we wish him well, and we wish Soren Skoo well also, with whatever he does next. Now, this is an interesting story I saw coming out of Canada. For the fourth year in a row, there won't be an auto show in Vancouver. The organisers of the show, the International Auto Show, say they're pulling the plug on next year's event because of supply chain issues. Jennifer Palmer reports it's the second Canadian auto show that's been cancelled in as many weeks. Organisers of the show said the reasons were supply chain issues in the automobile sector. For the last several months, we've been working with vehicle manufacturers and other partners in anticipation of returning in person to celebrate the 100th edition in the traditional auto show in March, said Blair Quayley, the new car dealers association. Unfortunately, ongoing global supply chain issues mean a number of manufacturers and distributors are not well positioned to commit to participating in many North American auto shows, including Vancouver. So they've cancelled it. When we think about some of the main challenges in supply chains, obviously volatility is top of my list because it's the volatility that's likely to increase cost through the supply chain. It's put pressure on margin and it could disrupt revenue streams and it might force you to look for new suppliers. So incur sourcing costs higher than normal and change the way you do things. Not necessarily in a good way. Change the way you do things because you're forced to. And supply chain complexity is another issue. So as things become more difficult with consumers buying products across different multiple channels and with different routes to market, supply chains have to adapt and change with demand. And then there's risk in the supply chain from all types of activity, which also have to be managed. Now let's think about how some of those uh, risks have played out this year. We've had increasing food costs. We've had increasing energy cost, and that's put pressure on both consumers and businesses. That's energy for heating, lighting, and of course, for fuel, so for distribution costs. So if you've got trucking operations, your costs have gone up in an instant with that particular fuel surge that happened as a result of the war in Ukraine. So that's put a lot of pressure on those supply chains. Getting hold of oil and gas has been difficult. Shipping costs have been sky high. They're now coming down, but they have been sky high. And warehousing costs have gone up too, as people were storing more and more goods. 
So inventories were going up, storage costs were going up, putting pressure on warehouse space, and of course putting pressure on employment costs as the demand rose. Now that's easing back slightly, and as a result, inflation went up, and that increased the cost. It's a never-ending cycle, but I think in 23, the force of rational opinion seems to be that inflation will actually fall. But it will only fall slowly, and it won't fall as far back as where it came from, of course. So we've had inflationary pressures with interest rate rises. We've had the consumer price index going up 9, 10, 11% in the US and Europe. And that's likely to ease off too, as we enter the new 2023 year. We've had China closed down. And as China closed down, of course, what's happened there is that uh, they've become less dependable as a partner and you can't rely on Chinese supply chains. And we've seen what people like Honda and Apple and other big players that buy volumes out of China, they've moved operations away from China to places like Vietnam and increased the production capacity there and also to India. And with automobile manufacturers, The German auto manufacturers have brought a lot of production back to Germany. So there's been a trend to try and reshore to lower the risk. And that reshoring will continue because reshoring is seen as a resilient strategy. But of course, it's also meant that many retailers and distributors have actually held high inventories to mitigate the risk. And that's not always a good thing. In January 2023, the Germany Supply Chain Due Diligence Act comes into force. And that requires businesses to monitor supply chains for things like human rights violations and to make sure that partners in the supply chain are not causing environmental damage across the entire chain. There's been supply chain legislation before, which was focused on environmental, social and governance. And performance was left to companies to enforce. But the German Act is a very different proposition. It's broad and it will impact many businesses who have supply chains going through Germany and through the EU because no doubt the German Act will expand in importance. And there's still pressure from climate change, of course, to try and bring down greenhouse gas emissions and all the dirty stuff, all the pollution That really is sending those temperatures rising and causing other problems in the oceans of the world and in the atmosphere and for people's health. So there's lots of responsibility in supply chains, which maybe a few years ago was there but wasn't so prominent. A study by Barclays Corporate Banking found that 8 out of 10 firms in the southwest of England were experiencing supply problems, and that was delaying their own production. And the main reasons cited? Lockdowns in China, the war in Ukraine, and Brexit. The stock tied up as work in progress can't be completed, said to be worth about £2 billion. Nearly 70% of businesses in Europe and in the US have said that they have had to source materials from elsewhere during the past year. They've been forced to do this because of lockdowns in China, in Europe the problems with Brexit and the war in Ukraine. So three main factors driving this change in the past year. 
Brexit, of course, has remained a problem for both the United Kingdom and the European Union. And it's seen as a problem by the EU members trading with the United Kingdom. And of course, there are still all the issues around the Northern Ireland Protocol yet to be resolved. And the increasing problem of trade barriers is seen as an issue. Pre-pandemic, when Brexit wasn't such an issue in the UK, I can remember ordering goods and some of these goods came from Europe and I could order them today by 1pm and they could very well be delivered by tomorrow afternoon, clearing customs, clearing checks and uh, being in the right place at the right time at the right price. Halcyon days. It seems unlikely now that we'll ever have frictionless trade in that way anytime soon. Now, I mentioned that uh, some of the numbers for the week, inflation has eased in the UK back to 10.7% overall, although food inflation is at 16.5% year on year. And other categories that the ONS, the Office of National Statistics, has reported on are also higher. It's fuel, which uh, vehicle fuel, that's the main driver of the downward pressure because prices at the pump have lowered in recent weeks. So it was 11.1% just a month ago, now 107 and people expect it to fall more in the next year. Similarly, the United States has eased as well with inflation. US inflation fell to 7.1% for November, and that's down from 7.7% in October. And it's a similar picture to the UK insofar as its fuel prices at the pump that have driven that inflation rate downwards. And both countries have uh, decided to put the bank rate up by half a percent to try and curb inflation further. The Bank of England raised its bank rate by half a percent to three and a half percent on Thursday. This is the continuing fight against inflation. Inflation seems to have dropped slightly in the UK, as we've said, and it's likely to have peaked, according to many commentators right now. In the United States, the interest rate is higher than the 3.5%, which is a 14-year high in the UK. In the United States, interest rates are at a 15-year high. The Fed Reserve has a range for interest rates in the US of between 425 and 4.5%. And this is to fight inflation, and it says that rates may need to go higher next year, and they don't see any relaxation from that position until 2024. Of course, all that could change if inflation falls during 2023. So never say never. Well, that's it for the news roundup this week. I hope you found out something new or something you didn't know. And don't forget to drop by the Chain Reaction site where you pick up your podcasts from and make sure you're all up to date with all the episodes and catch up with any you've missed. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. The Chain Reaction Podcast was written, presented and produced by Tony Hines. Hi, I'm 
Tony Hines. I'm here to tell you about the Chain Reaction Podcast, all about supply chain advantage. I've been researching and writing about supply chains for over 25 years. I wrote my first book on supply chain strategies in the early 2000s. Each week we have special episodes on particular topics relating to supply chains. Now we have a weekly news roundup every Saturday at 12 noon. All things impacting global supply chains in that week. So come and join us on the Chain Reaction Podcast. I look forward to seeing you there. I'm Tony Hines. I'm signing off. Bye for now.